Sample of the market. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National and welcome. And today, keeping it more or less politics free this Friday afternoon. You've had quite a bit of it, so let's make it free today. Now, State Highway 2 just north of Upper Hutt remains closed following a serious crash north of Upper Hutt near the intersection with Topaz Street. Traffic is currently being diverted, expects significant delays through the area this afternoon. Well, in June 2012, the All Blacks smash Ireland 60-0 in Hamilton. Eleven years later, Ireland are the bookies' favourites to win this weekend. What happened to this team? Neve McMahon is the Honorary Consul General for Ireland. Neve joins us just after four. Also, a public reminder of the importance of taking notice of product recalls after a washing machine caught fire. And... Well, it's been a tough election, but an election it is. We are lucky to be able to vote. We talked to someone who grew up under two dictatorships. What's life like when you can't vote? Plus, Friday the 13th, our question of the day, what is one superstition that you hold dear to? Just one. Now, I am not superstitious at all in the slightest, but... I will not have someone open an umbrella inside my house. What's yours? Text me, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me, Ali Jones, Papua Nui Innes Community Board Member in Christchurch and Senior Consultant at Red PR. Ali, kia ora. Nice to have you here. Bonjour. Good to be here. Yeah, and Peter Fafiu, Professional Director and Consultant. Hello, Peter. Oh, Bulavanaka. And yes, Bolivanaka to you too, Peter. Good to have you here as well. Let's jump in to the Friday mailbag. And we've got a bit of response across all topics. Uh, one here got quite a lot. Would you support full transparency in your workplace regarding your salary? Now, one company, one New Zealand company, Tracksuit, has just done that, has so what you can do a tracksuit is you can log online and you can see what others earn. They say it's working fine for them. Uh, someone says here, fully support transparency. As a woman in an independent school, I know that male teachers doing similar roles are being paid more by adding fictional responsibilities. Another one here, everything I do is unpaid, including all the admin for a charitable organisation I have worked for for 20 years. I also volunteer in the arts and on many committees. I fill my time with all the work and I'm embarrassed that I don't earn any money and I wouldn't like people to know as I fear it would devalue me, says someone around the panel on this. Where do you stand, Ellie? Would you support full transparency uh, in a private workplace? No. Um, quite simply, no. Why? It's uh, private information. It's information between the employee and the employer. Uh, if the employee wishes to discuss it with colleagues, then that's their decision as well. Um, what if it's unfair? What if you find out at the photocopier, uh, as we do sometimes, or as some do, oh my gosh, this person's getting another 10k more doing the same job? Wallace, I'm a woman. It's happened all my life. 
and for many of us, actually. So, you know, I it's but I think that there is a privacy issue here that has to be respected. Um, I'm being a bit flippant. Pay equality is a different kettle of fish. However, uh, it's still the same sort of principle. And and if someone is being paid more than you are, then you have to address that. You you can't negotiate and agree payment on an open. Uh, let's look at what everyone's earning basis. I mean, I, I just can't see that working at all. No, I'm, I'm okay. standing beside privacy and and people having that protected. It's a big no. Peter? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the sector. Uh, I've been in organisations and led an organisation where we had um, wage and salary bans. Um, so you, you sort of see where thing, people are at in terms of the role size. Um, but also been in organisations where, as Ali said, uh, it's private information and um, and it's uh, you know information between the employer and the employee. And then, of course, public sector um, as we have with teachers, et cetera, that's a bit different. So it depends on the sector, in, in, in my view. But I, I personally, uh, myself, uh, um, turn to, uh, tend to lean towards privacy, um, as Ali said. All right. Uh, now, more schools are considering installing surveillance cameras in student bathrooms, according to the Privacy Commissioner. How do you feel about schools putting cameras in bathrooms? This was quite a debate the other day on the show. Um, my 17-year-old daughter avoids school toilets at break time because of the feral behaviour in there. So yes to cameras. Kia ora, says Annabelle. It's a hard no to cameras and bathrooms. Vaping should be prescription only. We cannot allow our rangatahi to become addicted. Don't let big tobacco win. Could bathrooms be accessed by lanyard cards? That would show who accesses them and at what time. So lanyard cards, says Annabelle. Another one, yes to cameras in school bathrooms. Children should be able to use the bathroom without fear of being intimidated by bullying students. This is what is going on in our schools. My question is what the teacher is doing. Um, so a range of responses around the panel, Peter. Well, ca- uh, cameras, I mean, I see them as sort of, you know, uh, bottom of the cliff type type situation. Uh, um, you know, my preference would be to sort of be at the top of the cliff and try to... Um, uh, prevent um, um, some of these behaviours. Uh, um, I mean, vaping in terms of schools are already sort of putting policies in place around that, mobile phones, etc., so that you don't capture fights uh, uh, via via their their cameras. So, again, cameras uh, cameras and bathrooms, it's bottom of the cliff type uh, situation. Okay, last resort sort of stuff, Ali. Because it's yeah, happening, fa- that's the thing, it's happening. Yeah, I know, but I don't think it should. It's a, it's a big fat no from me. Bathrooms are a place where there is an expectation, again, of privacy. You know, it's like what we were saying before. Uh, put vape sensors in, deal with bullying behaviour. Don't, as Peter said, use this as a band-aid or an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff by putting cameras in bathrooms. Bathrooms need to be private. Someone may feel intimidated going, the bath- going to the bathroom yeah. because of bullying, but also people will, I would feel terribly intimidated and, and um, what's the word? I was going to say almost naked out there, you know, um, vulnerable. I would feel vulnerable knowing that there was a camera in the bathroom. And I think young girls, young young men, anyone, they need to know that their time in a bathroom, whether it's the stall, the stall itself or around the sinks, is their time and it's their private time. Definitely not. Well, yes to cameras because the cameras are only activated when vape mist or smokers present in some cameras.
It doesn't matter. I don't trust that. I I would not trust that. Put a vape sensor in or, as Peter said, put other uh, deterrents in place. But no cameras should not be in bathrooms. And this perhaps got the biggest response of the week. Uh, My 17-year-old daughter wants to learn to drive. Um, should I teach her in manual or should I teach her in automatic? And does manual still exist in 2023? Is this still a darn thing? Jared says, well, is driving a manual in a big city when traffic is crawling can be a pain with constant clutch and clutch out, up a gear, down a gear. No such problem in an auto. Just brake on and brake off. Andrew says, learning to drive manual is about as relevant as learning how to tune a carburetor or operate a manual choke. <laughs> Um, manual, please. Our daughter struggled with the manual gearbox. It just wasn't natural for her, even though we are farming and all vehicles manual. I persisted. It wasn't pleasurable, but she is now so grateful and a brilliant driver. Round the panel here. Peter. Uh, yeah, I, I, prefer, I prefer my kids to learn a manual. Um, oh. and that's just from experience. That's just from experience because my, my, my father did not teach me uh, um, um, manual, and, and I did did find it very challenging in, in some of the roles that I had. Um, and also a couple of my nephews have gone into trades. And so um, and as part of their, their their trade course for one is to be an electrician, they had to learn manual driving rather than automatic. Manual all the way, Ellie? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And in, in our day when we sat um, for the licence, you could sit in an automatic but get a licence and still drive a manual as well. I understand that that's not the case now. Um, and look, who's what's natural about driving a car full stop? That was an interesting <laughs> comment. just wasn't natural for her driving a manual. I mean, look, you've got to learn. And I think the good thing about a manual is it's really good bra- brain-eye-hand coordination. And I think that that's important as well. Very good. Um, uh, and soliciting your top superstar if you've just joined us, it is Friday the 13th, so what is one that you just abide by all the time? I told you mine, that is, uh, it's a no-go opening an umbrella inside. Um, one here is um, stepping on a crack. What? Yeah, good uh, luck with that in Christchurch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's a strange one. All right, so keep those coming, 2101. All right, uh, Ellie Jones, I've been thinking. Well, I've been thinking, um, you know, over the last couple of decades, very little seems to have changed around, <coughs> excuse me, resolving issues around maternity services. And, and it's actually really simple. And the reason I've been thinking about this more now is because there are two birthing units that have been in the news this week, one in Waihi and one in Huntley, and they're set to close. And one of them, I think, has been there for 90 years and another one's been there for 80 years. And when they go, women will have to essentially have a vehicle, be able to afford the petrol, and they will have to drive out of their communities to get their um, antenatal care and, and their maternity care. What I don't understand is that primary units, which are those little homely ones like these these wee ones in Huntley and and, yes. um, and Waihi that are closing, that they are different to big hospitals, which are called tertiary units. They are cheaper to run. They have better outcomes for mothers and babies of, of well women. Do we know um, that? Is there evidence for better outcomes? Yes, 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 yes. I've got two pieces of research, one from the British Medical Journal and one from yeah. uh, the College of Midwife. So, yeah, I mean, that, that is backed up and, and has for, been for some time. So the outcomes are better for well women and their babies. It's also more cost effective. Primary units keep midwives, uh, you know, local in the community and working. It keeps the mothers close to the family. I just don't understand why uh, this is not, or primary units and maternity and midwifery is not supported better. And the only thing I can put it down to is either misogyny, discrimination 
or stupidity. It has to be one of those three things. And I wonder if it is stupidity. National announced a policy last week. Lack of midwives, says Te Ora. No, that's... I was going to use a rude word then. That is absolute rubbish. There are more midwives with uh, practising certificates than there ever have been before. But if you close the primary units, Wallace, the midwives can't stay in the community, so they step away. Very good. I'm perplexed by this being so simple. Uh, Peter, for you, I've been thinking. Uh, Yeah, I've been thinking. I was meant to be in the studio uh, this afternoon, but because of Auckland traffic, uh, there was an accident on the Southern Motorway, and it pretty much blocked uh, uh, the motorway from uh, Manuwira all the way down to Ramarama, so which is uh, which is pretty much on the on your way to Hamilton. And and what I was been thinking when I was driving for thirty minutes and had to turn back is, you know, I I don't think we're ever going to fix Auckland traffic. I mean, we're Auckland's a city on on an isthmus between two harbours. You know, um, every three years, some brilliant politician. I, I shouldn't say brilliant. Some politician. Um, from time to time, you know, comes up with a great idea they've seen overseas because of a of a, uh, a publicly funded trip they've been on, and they come back and then they, they say it's going to cost a billion, and we all know it's going to cost two. You know, I don't. I've pretty much sort of you know settled on the fact that traffic in this in New Zealand is is never going to be fixed, and I'm okay with that. I just hope that the next generation are okay with that and the one afterwards. So that's what I've been thinking. You're a fatalist. I'm okay with Auckland traffic. You're a fatalist. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, 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 I don't need to complain about it. It's just life that you can't even get into the studio. We miss you here, Peter. Anyway, someone says, Superstitions, don't put new show new shoes on the table. What's yours? 2101. Talking superstitions this afternoon on the panel.